Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast. Yo, them credits roll faster than what they used to. Don't, it didn't seem like it was going mad fast. Pulling up a little fast, yeah. I yeah, wow. Look at that, yo. We, you know, this is episode 115. Wow, man. we just add on. That's all we do. We just add on the greatness now at this point. Yo, tell me about it. I'm like, yo, can you hear me all right? 15, man. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you good. It's me and Rob today. Zane couldn't make it, but he'll be back next week. Well, we, got, we got some great topics, and then I think next week we got a pretty good interview lined up with a fitness instructor for those who like to get fit, so that should be exciting. Actually, I'm not, I was talking to Zane earlier. I think that's going to end up being on our Instagram Live. For those who haven't seen us on Instagram Live, we also do episodes on Instagram Live. So what's up with you, man? How you been? Man, I've been, I've been, um... A little recluse. I've been keeping it to myself a little bit, staying off of the social media wire, not paying attention to the outside noise as much. Um, you know, I just lost my pops, which was a little tight. Condolences. Thank you, brother, and a good friend of mine too, who I grew up with, and it just put me in a in a reflective state of my existence and where I am in life right now, being grateful for the moment. You know, we talk behind the stage about being present. Mm-hmm. And very present is necessary to go through any, in my opinion, uh, shortcomings or setbacks that you need to just be present in and understand from it and learn from it. Yeah. And it taught me a lot. So I'm glad I took um, that time to do that and change my diet a little bit, change up a couple of things. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You know what I think is like interesting about like um, losing a parent is that you know you lose a parent. Gonna, yeah, yeah, but you you know what's fun about it though is like and and your parents, you know, if you have like any kind of relationship with your parents, your parents are like larger than life. They like these huge figures in life, and no matter how big you get, right, and how small they become, and as you get older, you always view them as this big entity. Yes, sir. And my pop is a large. He was a large figure. My mom too, but to know them. And shout out to my cousin Cashe because she was one of the persons that first reached out and told me, she said, you know, losing a biological parent is something different. If you want to chat, let's chat. And I appreciate her for her counsel because it did hit different. You know what I mean? I hate to say it, but I've lost friends, I've lost close ones. And, you know, I hate to feel that I got numb to it because so much was happening. Even in now, you know, with the loss of so many lives in the past couple of years. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of get numb to it, understand that, you know, that is the process of life that we, we forget about. Mm-hmm. So much long to go. But and to the point of in reflection, that's just exactly what it gave me a chance to reflect on is life, and how precious it is, and how just like that it can be gone. Yo, so let's get to our first topic. Yes, sir. Not sure if you heard about this or not, but Nike has decided to part ways with Foot Locker, and I feel like Foot Locker is also affiliated with Foot Action, yeah. Champs, Damn. Finish Line. Yeah. Oh, so something else too, right? Champs, Finish Line. Just the trifecta: Champs, Finish Line, and Foot Action. And Foot Locker makes all four of them, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they got other little subsidiaries. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that this is good for Nike? Do you think it's going to impact Foot Locker? What do you, you think? Know, it's, it's, I have mixed feelings because from the brand as a kid, I love the brand. It was the top brand. Even into the team. 
2000. You know, but I think somewhere the brand lost some of its funk a little bit. Like when, it, when, you, when you say the brand, you say you mean the Foot Locker, not Nike. Well, I'm, I'm, actually, I mean Nike. Okay. You mean, I know it's top in sales and everyone has the foot, but I think they go on Foot Locker. Maybe it was the presentation of how they would present Nike sneakers. But after a while, like I said, after the 90s of having like revolution. Barkley, Jordan, the revolution. And, wow. and, and there were so many names, I mean, there, there was something that, that drew you to the sneaker. We all remaking them now. Mm-hmm. I think because they've allowed companies like Foot Locker to be so much of a subsidiary or connected to them, allowing them what close to 70, 75% of their apparel fell through them. They had to bring some of that back. Like, I should have liquidated a little too much. Fine, our sneakers on sales counters, with you on to pick up a pair of ads. These are $190 pair of sneakers. So kind of like pulling back. And, and, and maybe reinventing itself. I, I thought that um was a smart thing to do. Honestly, that's just my perspective. But no, I'm sorry I cut you off yet. There's I mean, because it gives it gives it gives them a time to be a little bit more creative, and innovative with how they're doing. But now it also gives a lane now with Foot Locker to go after Puma, New Balance, Adidas, Adidas, or any other brands to widen their brand in their store. But there's another part. I hear Foot Locker is going to keep Nike. They're going to keep it going because. Nike's responsible for about over 50% of their revenue anyway in comparison to the other apparel. So it's, 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 it's going to be a negotiation thing. I, I, um, you know, I, what you said I think is spot on Like in terms of Nike and the brand. And Nike, Nike has stopped really. In terms of cre- creativity, I think Nike hasn't really pushed the bar. You know, they haven't raised the bar and Nike has been successful in recreating legacy shoes you know you bring back the old jordans you just switch the colorways the dunks the dunks the jordans the barclays they bring them back bo jackson's again like that's oh. kind of their, their bread and butter and, and their sneakers are signature they think they fit, but you know nike you know what nike did figure out i think and probably the reason why they would want to pull back from a foot locker a little bit is i think with the jordans nike has figured out the whole thing around supply and demand and i tell people all the time yeah 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 as, as, as a kid, if you wanted a pair of Jordans, you just had to come up with the money. You know, they were, you could get them. But what happened was now they've made them scarce, you know, if it's an exclusive shoe, it's scarce. So rather than them mass producing it, they produce limited, limited quantities of it. And producing limited quantities of it drives the, the, the demand up. People want it more and more. Right. To be told, Nike and, and Foot, well, Foot Locker, a lot of their revenue comes from Nike products, but they don't make a lot of money on a shoe. You know, Nike makes a lot of money on the shoe because what Nike does is Nike gives the people the shoe and tells them this is the retail price for the shoe. Now, in order for people to actually get a Jordan or any of those good shoes, you have to take a ton of those other shoes that nobody even nobody even wants. People don't realize the best, and I said this before when we had Keeks and Gypsy on, the best-selling shoe that Nike has every year is not a Jordan, it's not a Dunk, it's not any of those. It's actually like a, a mall walker type shoe that a nurse would wear um, kind of shoe. Right, and I right, think right. The, the reason why Nike is probably leaving 
think considering leaving Foot Locker and why it could be detrimental to Foot Locker is because Foot Locker makes probably majority of their money on upselling um, customers who come in. So you come in, you buy a pick at Jordan from them, and it's like, oh, you want, oh, okay, you want to get the hat to match, you want the socks, you that's where you probably could get that money. If the suggested retail on the shoe is $170 and Nike is telling you what you can't mark it up beyond a certain limit. And, and Nike don't play with that. Nike, if they catch you marking it up more than what it's supposed to be marked up or backdooring it, they can pull your contract. And that's it. And so, yeah. So, and never deal with you again. Yeah, so I um, I think that like with other brands emerging, when you see like, you see like a huge, I see a huge influx of Pumas now. Um, Pumas. Yeah, Pumas coming back on the scene. I see yeah. Adidas, you know, trying to make a, a push. Reeboks, like things like that and i think the other thing i think nike's probably figured out you know it's almost like why do you why do you need the distributor when you when you could be the direct distributor? exactly you know it's like why why do i need Foot Locker when we got nike.com and it could go straight from our warehouse to and I, I don't know how this works i don't know who foot who foots the shipping bill for it if the store puts the shipping bill for the shoes when they get them or nike pays to ship them to the store i don't know how that process works but I, it's simple to me. It's a simple mathematics and business common sense would tell you like, why do I need you to distribute it if I can be my own distributor? Own distributor. I can my distribution and what and what companies like this is doing more now. They're making their own brick and mortar. They're making their yeah, own stores. So if I can deal with you, you come to the store, I ain't got it. I can go online and have it shipped to you. I don't need Foot Locker. Yeah. And, I, I, yeah. and it's funny how Foot Locker's in these malls and these malls are dying out. Right. So, there is there there is though like I don't I forget who I was talking. I was talking to somebody about this though. There are still some people who very much like to go into stores and try clothes on and see how it looks and stuff like that, and they want to see it oh on their feet and everything. But I feel like that if you're a person like if, if you're a person that you're into Nike products, and I think when we think Nike products, we're probably only thinking like the big selling Jordans and stuff that people want, but Nike got like a whole lot of other products too. Like, if you're a Nike product and you're a brand loyalist, you probably know what your size is. You probably know the fit. You probably know all that. So I don't know how much value there is actually in going into a store. And Nike may just be trying to get ahead of the curve to say, you know what? How much longer is a foot, a foot locker, a foot action, a champs, or a finish line gonna be around? Given everything that's going on. What they also noticed is they also noticed is when a sneaker drops, like a Jordan, the, 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 the type of tension that they garner, you know what I'm saying, they go to these stores, they sit out there, they want that attention coming to them. You know what I'm saying? They, that that draw the attention to get them into, you know, with, with, you know, the connection with the customers. They're trying to just eliminate third parties altogether as far as their product is concerned. And you got, you got other designers of brands like Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren, they got certain labels for their for their higher end stuff that you can only go to certain places to get it. You're not going to see that on Nordstrom's rack. Not at all. You know what I mean? So they're trying to bring back some, in my opinion, I think they're trying to come back and re, kind of revamp things with, with how they move forward with the market. I mean, I can always be there. Yo, you make you know you make a really good point because I don't know if you've been to the outlets recently. A lot of the outlets have the Nike store, also, mm -hmm. where you know they 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 basically have their own store. I look at it this way: I think Nike doesn't need Foot Locker. Foot Locker probably needs Nike. 
a little bit more and not necessarily even for their shoes i think having the nike contract brings people actually into the store to be able to look around to buy the other stuff oh we got the book bag we got the hat we got the socks we got sweats we also know geographically depending where you are what they sell in florida they ain't selling on for the road there's the colorways and a different variety of sneakers that is
But he, yo, he, he clicked up with Kanye. And that's the other thing that I have on him. Like, I feel like anytime he gets with somebody, it's like he absorbs that energy and he wants to move the way they move. Kanye is full of antics and all that too. But to me, I get a sense from Kanye that Kanye that Kanye's right. antics is kind of like Kanye. Like, might really be like his mental illness. But to me, for the game, it just always feels like a show. You know what? You know. What's up, Elliot? The mask and shades already told me. It's gonna be a trend. The mask and shades now. So, I already knew that was going to be right? The Kanye joint. Yeah, that was going to catch anyone who the dangling fruit. Um, and, he, and, he, and he lined himself with Kanye a lot. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, giving him praise. You know, game I like, I like this as an artist, especially how he's always given the East Coast its glory, its flags. You know, even though he was living how he was living, he, he would always credit the East Coast for influencing him. Oh, he's the hip-hop historian. Don't get it twisted. The dude knows hip-hop. He knows his hip-hop and he's like in two parallels. You got that world that we have no idea about because even though we spoke about, you know, how did it start and all that. We probably seen all the documentaries about gang life. But then, your purest of East Coast culture then where do you fit in? Like, it hasn't been like a, a paradox for him growing up. And then imagine, you know, seeing what he saw or witnessing something as the magnitude of losing pocket big right when you're in high school and you're performing his years. It's, it's, been, it's just normal. Then he, he thought he was going to die like Bob. That's this guy's character. <laughs> but, you know. The hate and the love it. That was one of my best jobs. I, I love that. I love that song. And if he get, he did have an opportunity to be a Super Bowl. That that would be the song to play. Especially in the '50s. But you know, the, the interview was it was alright. The drinking song, that they went to. He went to buy a ring, a chimes on it. <laughs> Everyone's monetizing every action that they move. I have that book, yo. I want to give it to you first because I know how you get it, man. The Age of Surveillance and Capitalism. You want to buy this book, man. Yeah, I'll check that out. I give it to your professor ass so you can go through it for a quick second. <laughs> but, listen, man. You know, the game has made himself who he is today. Whether he thinks he's better than him or whatever he has going on in his mind. His beef with Jay and all these other things. But one thing he did say... That, was, that, that did stick out. I think it had to do with drill music and, you know, um, violence. You know, he said, everyone wants to know, especially when it comes to L.A., a lot of people losing their lives so much out there. And he, he, he said, you know, people want to know how niggas is dying, but ask people how they living. There's a difference, you know. We do see the, the, the crime and the murder and violence and all that. But what's making that happen? Not just guys have access to guns. Nobody want to talk, they don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about that. You want to talk about dying, but they're dying at an enormous rate. How are they living? What are they, what's going through their mind before they do they, their act or whatever it is that they're doing? That stuck out from, a, from someone who lived in the gang culture all his life. Yeah. And it just seems like he's matured some, a lot. I, I'll give him, I'll give him that. 
and he dropped the juice, and I didn't even know in the club was to rock him. <laughs> yeah, I did hear. I did hear. I heard that beat went to a lot of people though, and a lot of people passed on it. Um, as far as that would have been, that would have been fly for Rock Kim if he did that. That would have yeah, been As far as him not being at the Super Bowl, like I don't think it's you know it, it would have been cool to see him there, but him not being there, I don't think it's anything away from it. Yeah. Um, I also think that like his comments about like him being better than Eminem, I think that's what you're supposed to say. You know, I don't, I don't. Now, whether he believes it or not, that who who knows? I think that's what you're supposed to say. He's clearly like a hip hop historian, knows the stuff and everything. The dude is talented. I just think that, like I said, like I started off earlier saying, like I just think that the histrionics sometimes overshadows the music, you know? And it's a shame that in order for people to feel like that they can sell music or remain relevant, that you have to pull these these stunts. Like, you know, like I saw some other interview recently with 50 Cent where 50 Cent was like, yeah, the game is finished. I don't know if I agree that the game is finished. I definitely know that his stock is not what it once, what it once was, and I think that he could renew his stock if he actually absolutely made music. And the, and the other thing I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say honestly, you know, I I think that he would do better also separating himself from Wack 100. Really. Um, and the reason why I say that is I think like Wack 100 has a large personality, and I think Wack 100 is one of those guys. Who disseminates information before he thinks about like what the ramifications of the information is that he's saying whether it's factual or not and right. that thing is problematic like if you got somebody that's your manager and then your mouthpiece and you know they they trying to do public relations on behalf of you and they put all this stuff into the atmosphere it's like game already has some severed relationships with people that's of value like he said in the interview he was like yeah i don't know why um, I, I've never been or got invited to the Rock Nation brunch. You don't know why? Because you invited this man to your genitals. Do you think WAC 100 is gonna help you repair that if he's, you know, making rumors about Jay-Z and all this other stuff? Like, that's what I'm saying. If, if Game just, again, just did his music, focus on doing and do all that, Yo, he'd be fine. Like, he's a very talented artist. He needs to leave all the stuff alone. If you're going to go and collaborate with Kanye, there's nothing wrong with that. Kanye's brilliant. You Just the thing is, you can't become him. You know, if you collaborate with 50, you can't become 50. You can't become Dre. You know, you've established yourself as an artist. Just be the game. That's all you need to do is be the game. You told 50, you can't take me off the group. Here's the other, yo, here's the other thing, like even when Nipsey, even when Nipsey took off and Nipsey got hot, you know, all of a sudden he, you know, he had strong ties to Nipsey before Nipsey took off, but then he became like really immersed in almost like the, for lack of a better word, Nipseyisms, or <laughs> whatever, like, dude, that's Nipsey, you can't be neighborhood Nip, like let Nipsey be Nipsey, you be the game, you do whatever you doing, and Nipsey do whatever he's doing. He said he would catch black for, he did not lie though he's like one of the first one of the first people i seen stamp kendrick and nipsey like i remember seeing um a show where he brought kendrick out and really co-signed him like yo this is the next big thing in the west coast and this was when kendrick was an unknown so that he's that yo he, he's not fronting about but I, again like you know what my advice to him would be like man you make great music you're very talented people, yeah. people name dropping in the music i don't care if you name drop i think that he makes good music i i haven't heard a project by him yet that i was like yo this is trash some projects i've liked more than others 
But for the most part, every time out, he puts together a solid, solid album. He's a dope MC. I mean, now at, at the pinnacle of your, your career, where it is and where you are in life, man, you got a plethora of art, I mean, of, of producers who probably love to work with. Mm -hmm. at, your, at your pickings, like, you know, yo, as, as brothers are putting out projects and you see brothers like Havoc, Ralph put put something together. You know, there are going to be other projects like that, too. I think overheard that Jada may have two things coming out. Like, And it's about the music, it's not, right? It's not, oh, it's just about music, man. It's, it's not, I won't say it's not, I won't even use the word over. I think we all have to learn how to reinvent, reinvent the, in, the whole introspection part, man. I had to do it. I had to do it. There were some things I was holding on to. And you need to purge some of the shit that you've been holding on to. Mm -hmm. For conditional reasons. Yo, we, game better be easy, too. Like, that woman got that lawsuit on him. Where she... <laughs> and that's when you find yourself in trouble all over again. Like a cycle. So you can't... He, he in his pocket. He may need to sign up for one of these 678,000 jobs. Yo, so you can't get rid of the damn trophy. Yo, the United States job report says that employees added 678,000 jobs. You believe this? I believe it. But I want to. But I'm interested in hearing from you. How? How do you think they went about adding those jobs? Well, um, what was hit hard was bars and restaurants. So those are back up and running. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a good that's a good fortune, man. People are back. You know, they're opening up the world again, so to speak. Um, just because of where I am and where I live, I can tell construction has picked up because I can't even find my contract now. So he got busy. <laughs> Before he was looking for jobs, now he's like, I gotta see him some in April and May or something. Factory um, jobs are heard up too. And they said that, you know, 90% of the payroll that was lost during the pandemic has recovered. I mean, how do you measure that? Because a good part of them putting, making these jobs is work availability. A lot of people ain't going back to work because they became entrepreneurs. They found another way, another stream of income that they didn't know they could tap into, now tap in, have backshot, like, you know what I mean? And they could be skilled individuals who, who are in positions that you may need to fill that position. Now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, that's a big number, to be honest with you. And then with inflation, how it is, I think uh, other jobs, but just say, uh, bars and restaurants, 200,000. Structured companies, ah, Actually, work with I guarantee what makes it the next portion is that war. You think? A war, war has something to do with, with that number. Yeah. I think we got some people enlisting that we don't know. Because these secret numbers pop out of nowhere for some reason. Uh, it's random, right? You know, you know what I would have thousand jobs. Come, I mean, it can be done. I'm not saying it can't be done, but. Question the number. Oh, yeah. You know what I, I, I attribute attributed to? I think you make a good point with like the entertainment industry coming back around. I think a lot of it has to do with 
So at once upon a time, I thought that once unemployment benefits ended, that people would go back to work. Unemployment benefits ended, people didn't rush back to work. What I think is changing though is that, or why people were reluctant to go back to work is because I feel like that a lot of people were kind of like, I'm not gonna rush back to work with uncertainty. And there's a possibility that there may be another shutdown. So why would I rush to go back to work only to be back out of work when I can continue to stay home and work on whatever endeavors I have? Plus, to be honest with you, a lot of people, there are people who suffered financially during the pandemic. There are a lot of people who made a lot of money and were able to save a lot of money as a result of staying home and working from home. You know, um, I bet you if I bet you during the pandemic, these damn gas prices wouldn't be this high because there was no demand to be on the road. But um, but yes, yeah, so and, and look at the trend of how that has now involved with now having what a wanting people to get to back, back to work yeah. for. I feel like that the reason why that number is is a legitimate number though is because I do see like there's more and more public information or public outcry and public not not public uh, public outcry public support from elected officials to go back to normal the pan the pandemic is going away resume your life couldn't wait to hear that word normal go back out go do this go do that go back to work this that and i think that endorsement is the right word i think getting that endorsement that life is going back to normal i think it helped a lot of people in a manner of not necessarily hearing that okay everything is okay it's all good it's safe to go but i think it's helped people say you know what there may not be any more government aid <laughs> coming or whatever and that the government now has turned the corner they're pushing people back you know we talk about back to normal right but we're not thinking back to normal in the sense of other things that come with it. i think when we hit back to normal we like oh we could go to a ball game and we ain't gotta wear a mask or we can go in the store or go to the bar and we ain't gotta get that your comforts in life your leisures in life you but you, right but back. you know what the other back to normal is though the other back to normal around this that people don't realize is that all those things that the government was subsidizing like lower interest rates homeowner interest rates and stuff like that is guess what those are going back to normal cost gas and stuff like that going back to normal couple what you said inflation right so there's a cost to going back to normal right you know what's going back to normal also student loans are no longer going to be suspended for payment they're going to be expected i think when may come around for people to start making payments again going back to normal so going back to normal has these consequences that i think that have financial ramifications for people and now people are getting to the point where they're like you know what I got to go back to normal and going back to normal is I got to go back to um to work. And I think that there was a lot of like job swapping, right? So where whereas the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs, you know, during the pandemic, picked up new talents and stuff like that. And many positions became available as a result of it. So I think now people are probably like, all right, it's time for me to go back to work. I'm going to take up this new opportunity or positions being created. So I, I do feel like that that's an accurate number. And I wouldn't be surprised, given with the, the rate that inflation is going, that that number continues to um to go up. To go up? I think it We're on the bridge of the brink of a, accepting a new paradigm how we live with inflation or how to because now what do you consider normal like you said you know going to the Knicks game catching catching a concert you know what I mean or going to the 
just happen to go to the bar now. I mean, people are already doing that, but it's, it's a crazy world we live in. You know what the new you know what the new paradigm is and what inflation looks like? Inflation looks like going to the going to the grocery store and before you picked up a pack of ground beef that says seven dollars and fifty cent and the other one says seven dollars and seventy cent and you was like I'm I'm a ball out and get the seven seventy now you like nah I'm going with this seven fifty <laughs> not even seven I'm going with the seven sixty seven one. Fat fat Joe manifested yesterday's price is not today's price. Yeah. That that rings a bell crazy because how things are happening. You know, and I, I brought the war because with inflation, there's so many uncertainties when we're at war and inflation hits the same way. We see, we see the gas. I mean, there is already a bottleneck of supply chain and the product is not getting through the fluid chain of back and forth nation, I mean, from, from state to state, nation to nation. Because fuel is astronomical. Like how, how, how does a trucker have to fuel up a rig that needs to go from Chicago to LA? That's what you know what I mean? And fuck it, it's parked up. It's crazy. I came down 684 the other day. And right on the rest stop, you would have thought these niggas was having a party. Talk to like, I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> Y'all gonna have to go around me. I mean, it's a bunch of them. Right there before you hit exit nine. Yeah. And we came on, and we were, it was late. It was like, education, man. And, you know, these jobs out here are giving some people some life because if there are opportunities for those who did do their jobs during the pandemic and the two-year uh, situation, it's good that the opportunity is there. It may give some those an opportunity to maybe step the game up for themselves. They, like you said, they might have learned something in these two years. I'm going to tell you, Rob, you know what was a missed opportunity for a lot of people? And I think that, again, keep, keeping with the theme of reflection and introspection, I think when it's all said and done, give it a couple of years to go by, there's probably some people that have snuck into positions during a pandemic that pre-pandemic they weren't qualified for and people wouldn't have taken them and given them a shot. Yeah. I didn't need that out of need but now now that that need is going to go away there are going to be a lot of people that missed opportunities there are people who probably have a skill set that would have probably skill set informative education that would have probably got them an entry-level position pre-pandemic during the pandemic would have probably gotten them to a, a level without having without having having that same skill set where they would have probably made much more money because the need was there and right. the it was slim but in the moment, I don't know if people thought about it that way. I think in the moment, people were just thinking like, nobody's working, ain't nobody trying to work, I'm not trying to go to work. I wonder who are the people who were smart enough to capitalize off of that and say, like we are saying about Nike, supply and demand. Well, guess what? You know, right now the supply is low and right now I could possibly get myself in at FedEx or whatever it is as a supervisor making 75, 80 grand, whereas before I was trying to get a driver, driver. driver job <laughs> for making 16, $17, I'm just keeping it real, 16, $17 an hour, you know? And that's what I'm saying, like right now, I don't know if people get that or understand that, but I guarantee you let some time go by, 
and you start hearing the success stories of dudes that's like, yo, I got this job. Well, yo, you know, how did you get this job at Facebook, man? I got this job at Facebook. I got this job at Apple during the pandemic because brothers ain't want to work. So they took a chance on me, and here I am. I'm telling you, that's going to be a success story for a lot of people. Now, that makes sense, man. You know, the, the will to survive is everything that you want to... You know, if you want to further your, your life or doing what you're doing, you'll find a way to do it. You know, you won't just lay down because they say lay down. And I, I, there's so many people that have benefited from these, these last two years that I've seen turn their life around tremendously. Or even step out on faith with the opportunity and learn so much from maybe a, a, a setback because of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. They went through what they went through. Yeah, you find out who people are in time of crisis, you know. Um, speaking of inflation, and just with, like all this job stuff, did you hear that Target is planning to to pay employees twenty four dollars an hour? And some, I think in some of their stores and their fulfillment centers. Now, this is it to me. I, I look at something like this and I'm like. Wow, like $24 an hour. I don't $9, know. That's a $9 raise. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's freaking, what, what does that probably come to? About 50 grand a year. Okay. <laughs> like I look at something like that and I say to myself, on the surface, that's great that they're going to pay people $24 an hour. But the other part of it, I, I, I look at it and I'm like, that's that could be a killer to small businesses, like similar to like the Walmarts of the world that come in and small businesses can't compete with. And then the other thing I look at it and say, and it's in the same vein as inflation. If you, if your town has a target that's paying $24 an hour and it's a smaller town, what is rent, what's rent gonna be? Isn't, isn't there gonna be some sort of adjustment for the cost of living? Like- It has to be, you would think that Target is doing this because maybe they're ahead of the curve because they know the cost of living. Well, the cost of living is definitely already up, but let's say, let's say, so, so, actually, yeah, it has, it has risen. <laughs> so let's, let's say, remember back in, uh, I think it was probably the summer, they were flowing the idea of raising the federal minimum wage to something like $20 an hour or well, something like that. Target raised this to 15, they raised it to 15 and now raising it again to 24. Well, you could do that if you target in Manhattan, but- Right, you gotta, you gotta be in a, in a, in a heavy supply. If, 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 look, if, if, we t- if we're talking about raising the minimum wage and we're raising the federal minimum wage, how could you raise the federal minimum wage to $20 an hour in Iowa and think that, how you call it, and think that small businesses can afford to pay somebody $20 an hour when the stuff that they selling <laughs> probably is not it's just you know like that there ha- there's a disconnect there and I think Target can get away with it as an employer because the size and the magnitude of a company like Target but I, I don't think it's going to be every Target that has I think it'd be selected areas selected locations that, that can, can handle the volume and, you know that type of uh, payout you know, Imagine what overtime is for someone who pay 24 hours an hour. Target, 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 could foot, they could foot the bill for it, but I'm, but I'm yeah. saying. Well, they, call it, they call it a $300 million employee pay and benefit pack. If I'm a landlord, though, 
and wherever I was, I was in Stanback, Arkansas. Well, sweat bucket, sweat bucket, <laughs> sweat bucket. There's a town called Bucks North Tennessee. Yeah, and I'm I'm out in Bucks North Tennessee, and I'm and I'm a landlord, and I know my employees getting twenty four dollars an hour. Am I still going to take six hundred dollars a month for rent? Like, don't all these things kind of go hand in hand? Like, the only thing, these, the only thing, the only issue what happens in these bigger cities that we see is right. that the landlords and stuff like that they don't wait for the jobs to actually increase salary. They just raise the rent or whatever it is, and the jobs got to catch up. But ideally, what's gonna what's gonna happen is that, elect, you know, you get the, you would get the raise. And you would hope that the landlords wouldn't adjust accordingly to it, but there are some places that I know, even in Co-op City, they make you fill out an income affidavit. You know, so if you moved in there and you was making fifty grand, but now you're making eighty grand, they're gonna be like, "Hold on, we ain't taking the same amount of millions from you when you was making fifty grand, player. You gotta come up with a little bit more coinage, bro." Yeah, you know, Target. You know, they been. I didn't even know they was around as long. But like Nike, man, at the e-commerce that they're, that they're doing, what they've always been doing, you know, along with Amazon, you know, and, and in retail right now, there's, there's, a, there's a shift in retail in, in the fashion world and how you deal with your, your consumer now. You know, people, the days of walking into the store are just about over. Now, will it be mom and pop stores for that reason? I, I guarantee it. But... Target allowing, you know, twenty four dollars that's a lot of money. You said almost fifty grand. You know. And whatever location they decide to do it, whether it's Chicago or Bucks North Tennessee. Bucks North Tennessee. You know. Twenty four dollars is like that's a lot of bread, man. A lot so, of, for some for someone who probably was okay with fifteen dollars, twelve dollars. And there are people in, in certain areas that live, that's, that's their yearly income. Mm-hmm. You double that now. Now, Will, the landlord now knows. <laughs> so, so look, so, so. You got the cream off the top. So let's say, let's say hypothetically they pay $24 an hour at Target in Bucks, North Tennessee. But uh, 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 a teacher with a master's degree get. Twenty dollars an hour. What's the incentive to be an educator? What's the incentive to be? Run. Exactly. We got to deal with kids. Like I deal with these snot-nosed kids, and I can go to Target and fold shirts and get twenty-four dollars an hour. So it's it's to me it's like that stuff kind of it makes sense. Like looking at it as as an employee, I'd be like, yo, I need to go work there and get the twenty four dollars an hour. You people that run to that place, what twenty four dollars for a young person? They want to be in retail for the rest of their life. I yo, something like something like that. There's something. Someone did some research on something about you know raising of just putting figures like that, getting people to believe. Well, and I can go to Target. I mean. Crazy man. I think I think the market the market's changed because of inflation. People are really moving, shuffling shit around because of what we're dealing with now and the scarcity or the so-called scarcity. 
Okay. You make an excellent point though, Rob. Just what you just said. He was like, you know, the um, youth would run to get those jobs. When you think of Target, like those those salespeople and people on the floor jobs, you primarily think about youth, right? The same way when you think about like a lot of the McDonald's, McDonald's jobs, you're primarily thinking about the youth or like the frontline staff. If they're paying $24 an hour, you think the youth gonna get those jobs? Do you think they're gonna get those jobs? <laughs> Yo, adults, the adults, adults are gonna be running to get up. This is a $50,000 a year job. So going to the 16 year olds that previously with with uh, high quality would get those jobs 16 to 18. Now you're gonna be looking at people like yo for 50 grand in Bucks, North Tennessee. I could take care and support my family on uh, you know on 50 grand a year. That eliminates eliminates youth and teenagers out of the equation altogether from getting a job. Is it? That's what I'm saying. Like that raising raising it that that astronomical astronomically has bigger ramifications than people realize and it's gonna impact a whole bunch of other things. You're gonna have dudes that's like, yo, you know what? Um, you know, I was thinking about finishing junior high school, but yeah, I heard they 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 hiring at Target, so I'm just gonna chill out once I get 16. That's that type of increase says something more than what you're actually seeing. You know what I'm saying? Like there has to be a change in structure. I think one of the things the CEO of Target talked about in the interview, he talked about new renovation, renovation of the building, always investing in staff. They're, Target is up to something other than just paying people extra to fold some shirts and be at the front of the store. I hope so. What's going on? There's something else down the line going on. Maybe it's how Target now administers service to the public. Gonna be something different and change, but now you need someone to be paid that amount. I hope so. And you know what? Like the, the other competitors in the town that that's, that that Target comes to that's paying that amount, they can forget about it. Whatever they selling, because Target sell everything from groceries, the clothing, the medication, the it's everything, man. Electronics, it's a wrap. It's, it's total wrap. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. Almost, they can almost be just like Amazon and become a brand where, you know, and not for nothing. Probably got some people looking stuff. Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what's even more scary, though, bro. You, bro, you walk down the target aisles and look around, you're like, man, I'm gonna my back. Yeah. You know what's even more scary, Rob? The fact that if if Target raises twenty four dollars an hour. And $24 an hour becomes the, the what's called the entry level hourly position, then what does that tell us that the economy is in about inflation? If $24 an hour is a starting position, then I, I'm, I'm concerned because then that means, we, you know, how you call it, you need to make double at the live usually. Double at the live. I mean, seeing gas prices at six, seven dollars won't be a problem. Yeah. To be able to afford it. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot, a lot in terms of um, stuff that's going on as it relates to violence across the nation. You know, of course, in New York, there's a lot going on. Um, and it seems like every time I turn on the TV and people start talking about the violence amongst the youth, they always weave in this correlation or this this this, this narrative 
about, you know, the, um, the parent. So if a kid commits a crime, they automatically say, you know, well, the parent failed them. If a kid um, gets killed, the parent failed them. You know, if a kid is making drill music, or trap music, or whatever it is, the parent failed them. It's, there's a huge emphasis placed on parents failing kids when kids commit some sort of infraction. And I just, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and I'd be interested in hearing your, um, your perspective on it. Do you think there's a correlation between youth violence and youth behavior and parenting? And if so, how? And when I say that, I know it's a loaded question. When I say that, do you think it's, um, it's okay or acceptable when you see these instances where uh, youth may have um, perpetrated gun violence on another youth or robbed somebody, and people say, well, you know, where was the parent when this youth was doing this? No, I don't. What I think, what, what makes the correlation for an offspring, meaning the child, to be very violent, is that the child would have to, would have to have had been consumed or been in the environment influenced by a violent parent my opinion that would conduct the behavior of the child because that's what it's known and grown up and it's witnessed and how to handle a matter now parenting comes from a lot of different things man one influence I mean you can you can punish a child and they hate you mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying don't want to talk to you and now want to go do some heinous just because you told them no you can't you can't watch TV you can't no it's privilege. I don't think there's a direct correlation, only under the pretense that that child lives in a violent environment, I would say. So there's other variables. Right. I would think that that, that, that would be the only positive correlation you could say. Well, damn, son, little, 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 little Smitty smacked Shorty because he's always watched his pops smack yeah. his mother. Mm -hmm. He thinks that's how you handle business. You don't talk back to them. You know, I've heard I've even heard that as as growing up and seeing how dominant the, the, the male figure can be to a woman. Almost so domineering that they're petrified. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was learned behavior. You know what I'm saying? To where it went from it went from generation to generation. And honestly, Unfortunately, there's some there's some men that, that still do that. So in that correlation, now you know three factors to, to young violent people say poor supervision. Well, you know why are you what are you watching your child do? Mm -hmm. You're paying attention to signs, and if you are paying attention to signs, to see a sign, are you doing something about that? Do you have a conversation with your child? Do you have an open door policy with your kid? Do you keep secrets from your kids, and now that your kids find out? Kept some shit, and now that they know, they feel like they got a spade card on. Now, oh, you ain't tell me about that, but now I got. I can do what I want to do. You can't, you know. Now you got to fight with that type of wall. And um, while you while you going through that, Robin, you talking about supervision. Do you think I've always I've always wondered about like the supervision piece because I feel like that there are um, when kids become teenagers, there are occasions where supervision is lowered, and the kids are not always gonna be. And you know, in arm's reach of a parent, you know, like I'm, right. I'm just thinking about like um, 
when people even talk about like teenage pregnancy, you know, back in the days when teenage pregnancy came up, people was like, yeah, it's the parents' fault. But the parents can't be with the kids when the kids go to school and if the kids go to school and if somebody's 16 years old and you need to take them to school and pick them up from school and monitor them to school all day, that to me is that there's a bigger problem with that. So I think supervision to me comes into play when you start looking at kids that are at that age that they require more supervision or in a larger context of if you're a person where you never know where your kids are, clearly, you know, your kids have no supervision. Right. You know, way before a child becomes a disruptive adolescent, running around, being a tyrant, you have, you know, there's, the development of a child's brain starts from zero to seven. So those influences and those little nuances that they pick up in baby from sensory perception and sensory energy, and then they learn how to talk the language, now starts to form an idea of who they are and how they speak around them. Then you become a toddler, you touch me, you put your finger in shit. All of that kids are picking up. So what I I never agreed with this, but you know, I, I'm kind of hypocritical because I did buy a child um, an iPad, but I bought it with the purpose of education and culture and kind of guiding it in the sense that this is what you use it for. That's it. And of course, as she got older, she started using it for what she was use it for. But I made a distinction as to why you should use technology. It's just a tool. Now, you have parents who will sit their child in front of them as a scapegoat. It's almost, it's almost a TV in your hand. Watch on the wall. And a child can hear, what's it, Cocoa Melon now? And children are running around like Cocoa Melon to Pied Piper. So be very careful how you develop a child in learning the process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those variables play into the part when they do become uh, a young adult, an adolescent, 12, 13, and you get smacked, puberty, 14, 15, 16. You know, if you caught mommy and daddy messing around, you're, you're curious. You're curious of your parents' past. Like I said, if you find out something, you're gonna try it. Mommy did that, mommy did I'm 14, hold on, I think I'm past the age. Let me go, I heard my friends talk about 40. All of a sudden, by the time you're 16, you smash, you smash outside. You outside looking crazy. Emotions all through the place. Parents already lost control. Yeah, yeah. I, I, parents, Parents are pivotal, pivotal and paramount, uh, important part of a child's life because mother's the first teacher, followed by the mother is the importance of a man in the house. You know what I mean? And, and there goes your nuclear. Son, woman, star, man, woman, and child. Child's supposed to, you know, pan out. Yeah. You know? I, I think... It's kind um, of double-edged sword. It's kind of double-edged sword. Yeah, I, I think that there's... um. There are variables. Like I think that there's, you know, there's environment, um, like you were saying. I also think that there's things like peer pressure. Um, and the reason why I don't, I, I, I feel like that, um, that a lot of times we go to parenting. I think that as a society, we look for a quick fix or a quick explanation when things go awry. And I think we're quick to point the finger to try to 
you know, place blame on somebody. Somebody need to be held responsible. There has to be some level of blame placed on somebody else. But I also think back and I'm like, damn, like, you know, when I was younger, and I had the benefit of having my mom, my dad in the same house with me, you know, instilling the right values and morals and ethics and things like that. But there are decisions that I made, you know, that were just bonehead decisions, that they weren't great, they weren't good decisions. And it was part of my development as a kid. And I don't attribute that to anything involving them, you know, that I made those decisions. Like, in fact, I would probably be offended if somebody said, well, you did this dumb, this dumb stuff. <laughs> Whatever, because your parents, I'll be like, yo, my mom and dad ain't teaching me to tell me to, to this do anything. This shit I did, I don't, my mom ain't to do this shit. Yeah, but you know what it, you know what it is though? Neither the, my father. The easiest, the easiest answer to it when these things go arise to be like, well, we go, it was the parent at. And I think that we have to, we have to kind of stop always throwing it in the lap of the parent. It's just bizarre to me, like how we, how we place yeah, on, on just just all the things. Like we talked about this a number of times on this podcast when it comes to like the stuff and the um the music and all that or whatever. And I'm like, all right, so what? But that, what you know, do the parents let these people listen? Let these kids listen to the music because I think there are things that parents have control over, and then I think there are things that parents don't even have, don't a clue. have control. They may not have a clue, but they may they still may not have control over. You know, because we know I grew up. In, in, in a neighborhood and we all know that there are people in neighborhoods where parents have their kids under lock and key yo you can't go outside you can't do this you can't do that this that or whatever but when they get outside don't they usually be like the wildest person in the hood to cut loose and do whatever it is no, children, children learn what they live yeah you learn by your environment if you can master your environment i remember me living right there 150 jackson avenue st mary friday and growing up from the ages of damn near infant to I was able to go outside six, seven, eight years old. I would go outside, I'd be the only one outside seven in the morning. But I knew where the store was. I knew when I go get up for the road. So when I made, when I saw my little newspaper, I'm seven, eight in the morning. I know the liquor store, I know the bodega, I know the bakery, and I know this whole neighborhood. And they know me because I'm the same kid that come at the same time Mm-hmm. So routine, you know what I mean? You know, I learned that by watching the people around me. I learned how to order a butter roll and a coffee. A butter roll and a coffee at seven? Son. <laughs> <laughs> butter roll and a hot chocolate, butter roll and a coffee. Yeah, you're like Bakery, bakery is right next to the bodega. Go over there, get your nacho chips. You meet the people before you know it, probably know you at the store. Mm-hmm. He call you, he give you a nickname, you got a nickname for life. Yeah. Yeah, it's it just, it just to me though, like, yo, I, some of the stuff though, it's a reach. Like, cause I, I, I look and I think I'm like, yo, there are people that are great. They, they will attack a parent in a second. And- yo, yo, so think about this. There are people I know that are great parents and you could you could be a great parent. You have and a a kid go out, a kid, your kid go out and hit another kid over the head with a bat. Why does it automatically go to what we was the parent at? What did the parent teach them? And this that and it's like, come on, like, nah, this is not, you know, the parent missed these signs and this that or whatever. Like, I think that there there is everybody has some sort of familial trauma. 
right, that they've experienced or whatever that contributes to your upbringing, um, definitely. So we want to reach in and we want to say like, well, some of the familial trauma may have contributed to some of the individual decision making. To me, that's fair game. But I think when you start throwing everything on, blame the parent, blame the parent, and I think that- Maybe that's not that's, that's, yeah, you, you, you blame, you blame shaman, you shaman, you blame, you trying to destroy someone's outlook. We're looking for an answer. That's, that's yeah. what you're looking for an answer. And the easiest thing to do is to place blame. And you're not going to place yeah. blame on a child because we all know this. We're going to be like, well, this is a child. This child cognitively, you know, this child's brain isn't fully developed yet. They have, you know, they're still a kid. They won't know right from wrong. There's all these other things that go into play that may be legitimate. Like, you know what? Maybe they, you know, they aren't fully developed. You know, they, maybe they have this. Maybe they have other things going on. But some of that stuff, you know, like there are people that make bad decisions growing up. There are kids that unfortunately just make bad decisions or have done something that have impacted their life because they made their own decisions the whole time. And I don't necessarily always connect that back to that the parent was horrible because they made decisions. Because the flip side of that, to kind of juxtapose it, what if a parent is horrible, but then a kid... Turns out to be so brilliant. Exactly. <laughs> and there are a lot, and there are, and there are tons of cases like that. And we're not saying, we're not making a correlation between that and be like, yo, you're the, this dude, you know, scientifically it's been proven, you know, you're brilliant. Your parents must not be shit. Like we don't say, we don't, we don't say that. We just automatically go to, your parents are horrible. You know, you did this, your parents are horrible because you did that or whatever. And I, and I don't think that high call, I think that's just an easy quick fix to throw it off on. I absolutely agree too. I absolutely agree too. You shouldn't pardon me. You should outright blame. Look at the parent. Now, should the parent be uh, somewhat responsible? Of course, the child is a minor. Upon law, you are responsible for that child up until their 18th birthday. I'm not And that plays an part in how well your communication is with your child. You know, are, are you are you demanding of information? Or, like I said, are you are you comfortable enough with having a conversation with your child about just about anything? I mean, there's so many variables. The children also they feel like they can't wait to be an adult. So you become one and you get a bill and you realize, yo, and once they become an adult, now, because I am an adult, technically, I don't have to share with you anything. Because I'm an adult, I have that right. Yeah. I do. But, but up until, yo, I need you. I do think, though, that, that, that there is some, you know, there is a level of responsibility as a parent that you do have to take. For, you know, there's some, but I... I think it's circumstantial. You get what I'm saying? Like it can't be on every occasion. Oh, we're the parent. The parent to blame. The parent must have did this, that. Like I just feel like it's always this assumption that the parent was horrible when a kid does something or when a teenager does something. And if, as a parent, you're gonna assume the the success of your kid, like oh, this kid, the kid is great. Yeah, you know, you did a great job as a parent. You know, there is a level of you have to kind of take responsibility because you could be, you can be uh, uh, not a bad parent or you could be a bad parent, but it doesn't look like what people view as being a bad parent. You get what I'm saying? Like you could be somebody who's, you know, you ain't going upside your significant other head. 
you going to work every day, you know, you and you're doing this and doing that, but you can not still not be a good a good parent. I just think that again, like we need to do it like on a case by case basis in terms of how we assign blame to a parent instead of just saying like, well, you know, drill music and the parent is the reason why these kids is out of control. You know, like I, I see it every time I turn on the news. You know, they automatically conjure up a story about um, yeah, like oh. This kid was in and out of jail for all these years. Where was the father? You're like, and, that, and that's so bullshit. I, I grew up with a kid. I leave his name nameless, but if I if I mention a story, only a few would know. Pops was a diplomat. He was getting paid. Mom was pretty much a housewife. Their parents separated, but his pops was leasing him up. This kid was still caused like it was taking <laughs> And you would say to yourself, yo, you can have any car you want. Yeah. Your father would buy you any car you want. And you would rather go steal a car. Where with the parents? <laughs> Damn, yeah. Yo, and I know you couldn't blame him because he's like, look, I do work a lot. My wife is here, but she, you know, it's, and let me tell you, so one, one of the things that leads to you violence, I've read, is re- rejection and not feeling wanted. Low level, low level attachment. How many people, how many young adults leave their children with their mama mm-hmm. or auntie and go hang out? You know what I'm saying? You know, I hate to say it, but I was one of those kids too, man. Mom wanted to hang out, that auntie house. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yo, we didn't. We I, didn't... I wasn't violent. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. We we already call it. We didn't list it here. But I don't know if you followed it. I'm gonna throw this at you before we before we leave. Have you? Do you see like the backlash that Kim Kardashian is getting for her comment? So Kim Kardashian, they must uh, they're about to premiere their new series on Hulu. You know, they moved from I guess they were on E before, and now they're gonna be on Hulu. Kardashian. Yeah, and they asked her something about like what do women need to be doing or something in the workforce, something along those lines. OG dad, OG dad popped in. Yeah, she said something like they need to they need to get the f up off their ass and get the work. Something along those lines. Really? That's good. Yeah, that's good. The children reflect the country they raised in. USA has violent history. Number one, number one way country solves its problems. There you go. Yeah. OG to the rescue, son. But yeah, yeah. She 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 basically said that. Her um. Her comment was something like they need to get up off their ass and get to work. Let me make sure I get, I want to make sure I have the exact <laughs> comment because I don't want to misquote her. Wow. He has a nerve. See? Can't make this stuff up when people make up these, 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 um, these things to say. So her, so let me, let me see. Let me, uh, let me bring it up. Oh man. I want to make sure I get this right. Get your effing ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. That was her guidance for women in business. Wow. Yeah. What do you what do you what do you think about that coming from her? What's her definition of work? Let's tell somebody to get up. But you know, for those who do need to get off their ass, yeah, get up off your ass and work. <laughs> Yo. There's lazy people out there, but Lord man, have some decorum. This, this, this to me is though, this is a, a case of the, um, 
right message, wrong, wrong messenger. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I don't know if she's, I don't know if, Who put the I think it was a better coming from somebody else. Somebody but, put the battery on her back. Yo, say this. You know, you can say this. But, yo, well, Rob, is she lying? No. It's the same thing. You see the whole, you see the, um, the meme with, with Putin talking about how Africans almost worship Caucasians because of how they live their lives and you want them in, mm-hmm. and you send children from Africa to Europe, you don't send them to, yo, son, when you, when you think about it and you ask somebody from these regions, they look at you like, Lie? Some of the cold truth that people don't want to hear come from the most ill-advised individuals, but if you take away the individual, close your eyes and heard that, would it be true? You're like, hmm, there may be some validity to this. <laughs> right, like, hold on. <laughs> Not forgetting who, who Malfoy came out, but damn, what are they saying that's making sense? You know something though? Like now people are that people are questioning, like, okay, so what did you do? What what got her jammed up is that they saying like how are you in a position to say this when you were born in a privilege? You you, you were born into success, so why are you in a privilege to say this? It is almost equivalent to when people start talking about yo, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or whatever. You know, you hear people say that and in particular people of color, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like as if you're not five, six steps behind your counterparts. It's like you said, it's the right message, wrong messenger, and that's why they come across as insulting. That girl, man, they, they seem to find their way back to people's mouths and something. Not one thing, it's another. Yo, OG Dad, you missed a good one, man. You missed a good one tonight. But we'll be back on Wednesday. On Wednesday, we got an interview with a fitness instructor lined up. And then I guess we'll probably be on next Friday also. Any closing words, Rob? Yeah, man. Shout out to my cousin, Cachet. Shout out to all my brothers and sisters. From Juan all the way down to Little Rob. It's been a tough parting of ways because, like I said, he meant something totally different to me than what he meant to them and their experiences I hold dear to them because it shaped them into who they are. Back to, you know, child development and being in environments where you can be easily influenced by certain things that you carry that with you. You become you can become a replica of what you come to learn, or you could be the total opposite. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe introspection. I ain't gonna be too much alone with it, but introspection is necessary. Learn how to turn off the devices that you glued to TV, radio, phone for a minute. Read more. Read more. People need to learn how to breathe. People are not breathing correctly. I think that's one of the reasons why we lost so many people during the pandemic. Learning how to breathe and how to recover yourself is important. So with that, I'm going to say peace. But um, it's been a journey, bro. 115, we have peace. Yeah, yeah. 115, we're going to keep the grind going too. Yo, if y'all haven't had a chance also, go watch the Jeffrey Sosa interview that No Ideas Original Sports did. Jeffrey Sosa, founder of G League TV, talking all about the G League. That was a great interview. He uh, 
Shout out to Reeves and Yada, man. That was a, that was a dope. That was a dope group talk. Yeah, he dropped he dropped some jewels and he named some names in there too. Like he was talking about Nate Robinson, get uh, Nate Robinson in there and Isaiah Thomas. I think he said Isaiah Thomas got exposed. <laughs> I can't play no deep. He gonna give you thirty, but give up twenty seven. Forty five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight. Have a good night. We'll catch you next week. Peace out, everybody.